there is a unique presence of the Lord that's here right now. If you're sensitive enough, you know that it's different than what it has been. And I I, I haven't struggled today to know what to preach. The struggle has come in knowing how to preach it. Because I'm preaching to you something I've never preached before. And I uh, may be a little different tonight, but, but my heart is heavy. So I just have to get this off of me tonight. It hit me last night when your man of God was being honest. Being honest with this church. And something just hit me that we needed to stay in that vein. We may shout tomorrow night, but just let me let me do this tonight. If I was to title this message tonight, I, I want to preach to you. And then there was silence. And then there was silence. I'm going to let you be seated. As an evangelist, it is not often that I get to hear preaching. And so the way I receive the word, it's kind of hard to give what you don't have. So the way I receive the word, I've done this for many years now, is while I'm getting ready for church, I listen to preaching. And so my family gets two sermons when we go to church. Because how can I give out what I do not have in? So last week, Tuesday night, a week ago tonight, the message I was listening to, sometimes I listen to the same sermons and sometimes I find new ones and this one happened to be a new one and I don't believe I've ever told another man's story but just give me liberty tonight the preacher I was listening to told a story about a family from Canada a pastor family 
He said that, that this family was a very close family. They did everything together. He wasn't just speaking of husband and wife, but also children and daughter-in-laws and son-in-laws, just the whole pack. They took vacations together. They went to conferences together. They, they, they did everything together. He said that the daughter-in-law of this family was a type of individual that you would consider a true blue Christian. That she was always, she was always at church. She was a worshiper. She was a prayer. That, that she was, he said, she was the model of what you would want to look at as an apostolic lady. Then he said that he had received a phone call from the father-in-law, the pastor of the church, that reasons beyond their understanding that she had left. The husband found the note on the table that she just, she walked out, left the husband, left the kids, left the church, left, left the doctrine, left the family, just left and disappeared. He said that They've tried to look for her and find her, but she doesn't want to be found. She just, she just left. And I thought how sad it is that, that people can hide behind the dance, but you don't know the struggle. That was on Tuesday night, Wednesday afternoon. I'm talking to a good pastor friend of mine and I can tell, I can tell that something's wrong with him and so now this is not somebody else's story. This is what I was told. This pastor friend of mine said that he, he has some good friends in Tennessee, pastor friends that he has known for years and this year has been a very tough year on them as it has on most. He said, Brother Atkins, this, this couple, they were in the middle of revival, not necessarily with an evangelist, but God was moving. They were having revival in the church. And they could tell, they could tell that something was wrong with the pastor's wife and the pastor would ask his wife, is everything okay? And she would smile and say, yes, honey, everything is fine. And my friend said, said the same thing that the preacher I heard a week ago say. For the Atkins, this woman was the model. She was, she was what an apostolic lady should be. The perfect pastor's wife. She was, she, she's, she's what you would, She's what you would look at and say that's, that's how it should be.
said, Brother Atkins, I, I, just, I just got back from her funeral. He, he said that said that his, his friend, the pastor, was walking through the house and his wife was in the restroom and he thought she was just getting ready for bed and he said, I love you, honey. And she said, I love you too. He said, but a few, moment, few moments later, there was a loud bang and he opened the door to the restroom and that perfect model apostolic lady put a gun to her head and pulled the trigger. Then your pastor gets up last night and talks about their battles. And, and, and I, just, I just don't believe when it comes to the kingdom in accidents. That, that there was a reason I heard that message last week. There was a reason I got that phone call. and There was a reason in my midst this man was honest. I'm getting all this information in just a week's time. And it reminds me of the scripture that in the last days, men's hearts would fail them for fear. I used to think up until this week, I used to think that that scripture, when it talked about fear, was fear of what the enemy might do or fear of where the nation may go. But I, I, I just don't think it's that simple. So, if you want a text tonight, if you feel like you need a text before you hear preaching, it is in the book of John chapter 12. It is in this chapter that Jesus has come to the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Please stay with me. It is in this house that Lazarus is sitting at the table while Martha is cooking in the kitchen, but Mary is anointing the feet of Jesus. It's a sign of worship. And then there was silence. We leave that house and Jesus enters into Jerusalem and it is there that we are told the city took palm trees and went forth to meet him and they cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. It was worship, it was praise. And then there was silence. Jesus begins to preach to these people that the Son of Man is to be glorified. It is in 
this chapter that we read the famous words, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. Yes, it's a sign of crucifixion, but it's a, it's a sign of worship. It's a sign of praise. And then there was silence. Jesus stands and preaches to them about repentance and preaches to them about the necessity of a cross and why he came. And then there was silence. And where the silence took place is where we in Pentecost have the problem. Because we are told in John chapter 12 and verse 42, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They believed. They were convinced. They knew Jesus was the Messiah. They knew Jesus was the man. They knew Jesus was the Savior. But they kept their mouth closed in the synagogue because the Pharisees had created this culture that you can't talk about Jesus. Pharisees had created this mindset that you can't talk about Jesus because the Pharisees didn't like Jesus and the Pharisees mocked Jesus and, and the Pharisees tried the Pharisees tried to find accusations against Jesus. So even though there's believers and even those there's people that, that can be saved, they they kept their mouth closed because they were more worried about what man would say than what God would do. We can sit here and say, I'm not a Pharisee. Oh, no. Do you know what the name Pharisee means? The separated ones. I, I get when people say, we got the truth and we... And, and we're the ones that's right, but the back of my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, Pharisees said the same thing. Huh. We, we get on our soapbox and yell to the world, we're separate from you. But you know the sad reality is we too in Pentecost have created this culture that we can't say anything. 
lest people look at us and say, well, they're not living for God like they should be then. We got the doctrine down pat and we got prayer down pat and we got worship down pat but the one thing we still struggle at is loving your neighbor as yourself. You want to be healed but you're not willing to heal anybody else. You want to be fixed but you're not willing to fix anybody else. So we put ministry in a box that they're supposed to be perfect. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach till I get this off of me tonight. And we sit there in our judgment and point fingers. Well, how can someone like that lead us if they're struggling? I'm going to tell you, struggle is not a curse word. Struggle means you're still in the fight. Struggle means you've not given up yet. Struggle means you're still trying. Struggle means you're still in the ring. Struggle means... You got the whole chapter of worship and praise and, and preaching and people believing, but then there's silence. Because I'm afraid the way you will think about me if I say anything. So we go to our conferences and people shakes our hand and says how you're doing. And we feel the need to say, I'm doing great. When on the inside, we're bleeding. We're battered. We're bruised. And you stay silent long enough. You keep up that facade long enough. You keep up that air of perfection long enough. Come on. You keep up that, you keep up that air that everything's going good long enough. And you'll wind up putting a gun to your head. Thing we struggle with in Pentecost is we have no outlet. We keep everything inside because we can't trust anybody. We can't counsel with anybody. We 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 can't we can't we can't we can't be honest with somebody because we're afraid they will take it for themselves because so many have. When if we really become the way God wants Christians to be, I should be able to go to you and say, I'm struggling with this and I'm battling this. I need you to pray for me. And I should be able to trust you enough to know you'll go to a prayer room and you'll pray for me. And the only one you'll talk to about my business is God. Because if I don't have that, if pastor doesn't have that, come on, if singer doesn't have that, if leader doesn't have that, we'll wind up blowing our brains out. We'll wind up leaving the truth. We'll wind up leaving family. Yeah. 
stood there when we were praying for him last night. And I thought, God, this can't be an accident. This can't be just a coincidence that I heard one man's story last week and then another man's story the next day and then this pastor comes and he talks about his struggles. Dear God, don't you dare point your fingers at him and say he shouldn't have done that. That's the best thing he could have done. That's what we preachers need. We, come on, we preachers, as long as we got flesh, we still fight, we still battle, we still struggle. I just heard that man say we need this. Years ago, we were preaching at a state, a certain state, and I saw this man whom I'd seen before, and he was worshiping, but I could tell it, it wasn't, something was going on. And so after church, I was sitting with my wife, and he walked up to me. He said, Mr. Atkins, can I ask you a question? I said, yes. He said, do you ever fight the devil? He said, do you ever struggle? I could have said, I'm an evangelist. Do you know what I told him? I said, I'm alive, ain't I? I said, as, I said sir, as long as I got breath in my body, I have to die daily. I have to fight daily. It breaks my heart to think the man was hesitant to ask me because we put up such an air. We have a pharisaical spirit. You got to keep quiet. Oh, I'm afraid if I tell the pastor what I'm struggling with, he'll sit me down. So you're willing to go to hell behind your microphone? You're willing to risk the chance of your family being split up because you don't want to leave your Sunday school? You're willing, you're willing to gamble with your salvation because you're so concerned about position. You want the pats on the backs more than you want somebody on their knees praying for you. They said, I can't say anything because... I want the praises of men more than the praises of God. He was man enough. He was man enough to admit 
We need prayer. He was man enough to admit we need some help. And I couldn't help but to think in the back of my mind, maybe not everybody, but there was, there was a handful thinking, and he's our pastor. How can we have revival under that man? Brother Robinson, will you take your coat off? I want to I wanna look for something. Take your shoes off. Yeah, I want to. I'm, 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 I'm just looking for something. You can just take one off. It's not in there. Is, is this your Bible? Pulpit he preaches behind it. It's not. Oh, maybe it's in here. No. Some of you think I've lost my mind. You're thinking, what are you looking for? Well, you you think this man's gonna bring revival, so that's that that that's what I'm looking for. You put it all on him, so I'm, I'm just assuming it may be in his coat, maybe in his Bible, maybe in his. Batman carries enough burdens on his shoulders for you to put revival on him. I tell you where you will, you will find revival. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray. I tell you where you'll find revival in your prayer closet, in your dedication, in your walk with God, on your knees in prayer. That revival comes only because that can shows up. Let me tell you something. If I brought it, that means I take it. And all of the and all of the setup for the tabernacle, they I mean the, God was so detailed with his instructions, what colors to use, where to where to put stuff. But, but in the middle of all of that, one thing that we forget is God said, bring some onyx stones. And don't place the onyx stones in the temple. Don't don't put them. Don't put them on the table of showbread. Don't, don't put them at the, at, at, at the laver. Don't, don't put them at the altar. Put the onyx stones on the shoulder of the priest. 
The word onyx means nail, N-A-I-L, signifying something solid. Something that won't move. What God was saying is that priest has enough burdens on his shoulders to, to carry. He has enough responsibility to take care of. But the one thing he needs is some people placing onyx stones on those shoulders. Because when you place it on those shoulders, it's the way you are telling him, I'm sticking. I'm not moving. I'm, I'm solid. You can trust me. If you needed me to sing, I'll sing. If you need to sit me down, I won't leave just because of that. If you need me to teach, I'll teach. If you feel the best, I'll stop teaching for a month. I won't get mad. Come on. Have we replaced the apostolic movement with the pharisaical spirit that people are afraid to be honest around us? Told, I told your pastor last night at the table. I said, I said, COVID, COVID didn't bother me as far as how it has some preachers and churches. It, as far as it getting me down, COVID wasn't the problem. I said, my issue came before COVID ever hit. I told him I was dealing with diseases before COVID was ever known about. Earlier this year, now, you, you, you've got to understand. You've got to understand. And, and if, if you haven't called on by now, then, 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 then you, you won't. But, but I have a unquenchable unmovable, uncontrollable burden for what we do. I believe that's evident. I don't go to a church to play games. I don't go to a church to just beat around the bush. I go to a church to have a move of God. And I'm willing to do and say whatever to get that to happen. People get mad at me. People get offended. I can't help that. I have. When I go to a church, I, 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 take my, I take the responsibility. But I know I don't bring it, but I can't affect it. And 17 years ago when we left, it, it's, it's, I don't have the vocabulary to explain to you the heavy burden I had. It, it just, it wasn't just a dream of mine. It was a desire that I just, I just couldn't shake. But the problem with that is going to churches that don't share your same feeling. 
And so in February this year, we were preaching in a certain location. and It wasn't just one church. It was week after week after week after week. I'm preaching my guts out trying to have a move of God. And you can just tell they don't want it. So much so that one revival we had scheduled that was supposed to be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And two weeks before the pastor said, we're taking Monday night off. I then found out later on the reason he took Monday night off is because he had to go to a baseball game. The pastor. And I'm there trying my best. This guy wants to go to a baseball When that happens, it it gnaws at me. It keeps me me up at night. And you deal with that week after week, you, you start feeling like, am I the only one? Like he said last week. Neither he nor you understood the things he was saying last week. I've said the exact same stuff to my wife. Does anybody want it? And so I felt that I started losing what I had 17 years ago. And I said, God, I can't evangelize without a burden. I can't do this just for it to become a job. I'll I'll, I'll kill churches if if that's the case. So when when the churches shut down, many pastors I talked to said that they took that time to redo things in the sanctuary, to, to, to to remake stuff. I took that time to remake me. I got back on my knees. I got back in my prayer room. I got back in my prayer closet. I I said, God, I got to get that back. God started moving. God started moving. And my prayer changed. And I started praying, God, I want you to shut the doors for the people that's not serious. Close the doors for people that don't want to move of your spirit. Close the doors of the people that it is impossible for revival. And open the doors for the hungry. Open the doors for the desperate. Open the doors for those who need it. And I can tell you, I can tell you I was watching one by one God answering those prayers. And I can stand here tonight and tell you without hesitation that my burden now is far heavier than it was 17 years ago. I needed to find somebody who was just as hungry as I was, just as desperate as I was. 
I needed to find somebody who was as hungry as I was. Folks, that's why it's no accident that Atkins is in this church these two weeks. To hear that man declare last week, I was wondering, was I the only one? He pointed his finger at me and said, we're forever connected. I thought, bro, you have no clue how much those words are ringing true. They stood here last night and poured his heart out to you. Don't you point your fingers at him. You pray for him. Don't you deny that it's God's will he's here. That's why there's the struggle. That's why there's the fight. That's why there's the battle. Do not turn Christ Memorial Temple into the first church of the Pharisees. Where people's afraid to say anything lest they're kicked out. We need to pray right now, everybody in the building. We need to pray right now. Listen to me. Say one more thing and then we're going to go back into this spirit. Please hear me. In ancient times, a city was secured by their watchmen. He sat high on the wall looking on, looking in every direction and warned the city when impending danger was approaching. Without the watchman, the people would not know threat of destruction was near. There is a story of one of these cities where the watchman sat day in and day out as the city grew and enjoyed time of prosperity and success. But one day, he spotted danger. As the threat drew closer, so did his fear. Not of the enemy. He feared how the people would react 
to his warning. If he sounded the alarm, it would interrupt commerce, celebrations, and the everyday life to which the people had grown accustomed to. He was afraid of how they would respond to him, not to the situation. By the time he measured the courage to signal the warning, it was too late. The enemy was too close. The city perished. But later on, in the same city, someone erected a memorial that said, here stood a town destroyed by silence. Don't let it be said that this church was destroyed by silence. Someone speak up. Someone say something. You ain't got to tell your whole business, but dear God, we don't know to pray for you if we think you're okay. We don't know to fight for if we think you're okay. Come on, we need a revival of honesty, of transparency, of trust. Come on, right now, go back in the spirit you was a moment ago in the name of Jesus. Help us, God. Somebody needs to leave that seat right now. Someone needs to come running to this altar, falling on your face, thanking God for a man of God who didn't stand silently by. Thank God for a man of God who spoke 